And now it's time for another tale from the Freedom Convoy. This interview was with uh, David Paisley, who was inspired and traveled to Ottawa on a whim, suddenly found himself live streaming from inside of a shed strapped to the back of a flatbed truck. He was streaming to people all over the world and eventually live streaming his arrest. David is still in Ottawa right now. And I just love this chat. It's a great look at what it was like to be a part of the Great Freedom Convoy. This episode is brought to you by Dr. David Dyser at Noble Naturopathic in Vancouver. He's the guy. I can't say enough nice things about Dr. David Dyser. He's my naturopath. And uh, especially if you're looking at boosting your metabolism, he's the expert in that. Link in bio. Okay, let's get to the interview. Please meet David Paisley. Okay. Uh, What's up, man? Sound good. (laughs) Hair's good. Everything's looking good. (laughs) Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I'm kind of used to just looking gross at this point. So, right. oh man, your story's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, it's been an adventure. Um, yeah, great to connect with you there. I was yeah, listening to your um, interview with um, the accountant there. That's how mm. I that's how I found you. Awesome. And uh, I'd heard his story like second or third hand through some mutual connections and stuff um well i like getting the confirmation too right from him because it it's like okay my my lines of communication and my connections are are valid because there wasn't anything he said that like surprised me but Mm. like there was because i'd heard about this um i hadn't heard the details of the airplane but i had heard these rumors flying around about the jets and i'm like that sounds ridiculous and then when he said that they flew in this little like cessna or whatever it was i'm like that sounds more like us yeah exactly (laughs) that's funny that's funny well that's what's funny about this conversation with you is because we're getting another peek behind the curtain we weren't there and we're still looking for the stories and the the details of of what went down and also what's to come um let's let's get a quick background on who you are real quick for people who haven't met you yet david yeah I guess I'll tell you the little, the story of how I ended up plugged into this whole thing. So, um, back that Thursday, whatever it was, uh, in February before the start of all this, um, I happened to get off work a little early and uh, we had a slow day and, um, I work in HVAC and I'd heard about these, uh, overpass meetings and such. And I knew there was a convoy coming through from uh, Southern Ontario. And so I said, I, I want to get out to one of these overpasses. I, uh, I got off in good time. So I drove out to an overpass on the 401 near Guelph and, you know, half expecting that it might be me and a couple other, you know, cr- crazy patriots out there. And I pull up and there's like hundreds of people and there's signs and people serving coffee. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, I got emotional. Like right away, I'm like, this is incredible because you know, it's hard to trust media on both sides because I know everyone exaggerates. And so it's like, I know on our side, as it were, they're pumping up about how big this is and how many people are getting involved. And then on the other side, it's like, oh yeah, there's just a few crazy people. And and mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe it's somewhere in the middle, but uh, when I got out there, it was more than I ever imagined. So I, it was like minus 20 and windy. and But uh, I stood out there for the whole afternoon with a bunch of other people and just met and was this to jump there. in real quick was this one yeah. of the first times you found like your people <laughs> well i mean i've been uh i've been kind of identifying as like a libertarian for you know well before the the pandemic and um increasingly getting frustrated with just the amount of government overreach and how big our government kept getting and um so i 
Yeah, there's, I got a little group of buddies back home that, uh, you know, we sit and rant about things together, but, you know, no really chance to do much of anything, or at least I felt like there was not a chance to yeah. do anything. Um, maybe, yeah, you know, looking back, there probably is more I could have done, but usually we just sit around and complain and complain about the fact we were complaining. Right. And uh, <laughs> you know what it's like. Yeah, and so and it's for me, like waking the up the whole experience. Sorry, just to jump in real quick. Yeah, my experience of waking up, I found very um, isolating. Like, no one else is talking about this except for, you know, a couple of, like you said, a couple of buddies. But to to see the first time I saw crowds on the streets waving the yeah. flags, and I did get emotional too. I, I, I my eyes started to leak. I'm going, oh my God, it's not just me. It, it was just nice to see there's more of me. I found my tribe. I found my people, right? Yeah. And it was, it was encouraging to see that like, oh, it wasn't just, there, there was little groups like me and my friends, obviously all over the country and afraid to speak up or, um, because I, I mean, I'd been posting on Facebook and, and, and stuff too, from the beginning, from the early stages of this, I was quite concerned because I know the government loves to take more power, but they're, they're not too good at giving it back. And so I, I had major concerns from the beginning. But at the start, everyone was like, you know, you've heard it all before. Oh, you don't care about elderly people or, or you, you're, you're just like this impression that you're a bad person. And um, and it's hard. Yeah. Like I'd weigh back and forth of like, man, am I just like so off base with this? But like, you know, my gut tells me like this, this is wrong. And then it, where it really was a turning point was all was these mandates where people were losing their jobs being denied access to like family events and community events, you know, not being able to, in my town, it's a big hockey town, people not being able to go to their kids' hockey games um, because of personal medical choices. And actually a lot of my friends who are the most frustrated about this um, were, were women who were either trying to get pregnant or who were pregnant or breastfeeding. And, and they had concerns about, um, you know, and not that it's some microchip or, or, or whatever, not, like that's not the direction they were going. It was more like they're cautious, you know, they, they won't sip a glass of wine. Some of them mm -hmm. are careful about coffee. Maybe mm -hmm. they, they, they stick to like organic products. Like every, every woman's got her own, uh, you know, regiment that she goes through and, and, and power to them to make that decision for themselves. And so actually it was a lot of some of them, the most kind of tragic stories I heard were from, from women who had concerns, um, and, uh, and wanted to, you know, they made that choice for themselves that this was uh, something they were going to at least hold off on um, mm -hmm. for, for now. And for them to, and then I saw them losing their jobs and uh, not being able to, you know, even go to one friend of mine couldn't go to the hospital when her child was sick. And like, anyway, this is not the Canada I, I believe mm -hmm. in. And this is, this is wrong. And so that's where I, I really got fired up and, and then to see this convoy forming and um, yeah, it, uh, it was inspiring because it's like, okay, you know, now we can identify each other. We can work together because, you know, people are coming together. Finally. <laughs> it's just funny. You're telling me the setup and then we fast forward to your live streaming, your own arrest. Yeah, I know. What a journey, right? I know. It's and and that the beautiful untold true story of all of this is this is, you know, the greatest grass move, grassroots movement in perhaps in Canadian history and perhaps in the world's history. Like, I mean, I, I'm relatively young, so I, I I don't know what's all come before necessarily, but certainly the greatest grassroots movement that that my my generation has ever seen. 
And, and it, all this talk of um, these organizers and like we're some big corporate structure, I haven't met any of these people. Um, the full disclosure, the only time I saw Tamara Leach was in a Zoom waiting room. She was getting off of an interview. I forget who it was with. And I was jumping into an interview and we met in a waiting room and I was like, oh, I recognize you. You're, you're Tamara. <laughs> and then I just I introduced myself in the Zoom waiting room. Um, and like that just like it's it's not um, the way the media presented it, like it was some big organized uh, attack or something. It's like I in some t we often on the ground, we wished it was more organized. Um, the, the real true story is, no, it was just a lot of normal people like me who uh, who saw what was happening and, and jumped in. And here I'm still in Ottawa, actually, uh, just tying up some loose ends. I just thought you guys were were, were a bunch of racists that went to topple the government. Are you telling me that that's inaccurate? <laughs> oh yeah, all those. Uh, yeah, looking Watch back, I mean, it, I mean, I hope that you're uh, screenshotting some of these um, mainstream headlines because you know when you're an old man and you're telling your grandkids about this, like it's it's going to be pretty wild because it already is. It's very TMZ the way the way they tried to cover this whole thing, and I mean, none of these headlines are going to age well at all. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Going home to, I mean, we're jumping ahead again, but when I'd go home to my uh, uh, hotel at nights and and I'd flip on CTV occasionally. And uh, it, it's one thing to have bias. I get, you know, you have bias, I have bias. Everyone's got bias, but the downright lies. It's like, I don't hold it against someone for having an angle that they take, but when they're just full out lying about what's going on, I mean, simple things like the numbers, like uh, it was one of the Saturdays where we were just packed to the gills I'm no crowd counter, counter, that's like a specialized skill, but tens of thousands, if not hundreds. And, and they said, CTV reported 3000 people. And it was like, I, from the camera footage from my shed, I mean, you could count like a thousand people just crushed in like around where that frame was. And it's like, I know what 3000 people looks like. And this was a heck of a lot more. <laughs> well, that was that. the first so, lie that I noticed. I mean, very early on when there'd be protests in Vancouver in my hometown and you know, you'd drive by and you'd see literally like blocks and blocks and blocks of people. There'd be thousands and thousands. And then the news would say that there were a couple hundred people there. And I go, there wait a dozens, second. Dozens or something. Yeah. Yeah. Dozens <laughs> of people I'm like, this is uh, this is odd. And like, why are you yeah. so intimidated by Why do you not want to report that there's a lot of people there? Like that was actually the first lie that I noticed. And of course, then it blew up into, um, the lies of saying it was racist and, and all sorts of yeah. wild things, violent. and um, Okay, so you mentioned the shed. Let's talk about the shed. Okay. How did you go from your first <laughs> meetup on a minus 20 degree day on an overpass, sipping coffee, um, connecting with people to, you know, live streaming your own arrest? <laughs> so that's uh, crazy when you put it that What way. happens between uh, that? So actually the first time I saw the shed was at that overpass. I, I saw Jay's truck go driving by with the shed on the back. And um, I, I didn't remember that until quite a while later. And then someone mentioned it, that that he was driving through. I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember that shed going past. And um, so anyway, after that overpass experience, I reached out to a few friends of mine and said, we really got to get to Ottawa. And one of my friends who, he's a truck driver, he didn't take his truck because he doesn't own it, but we, we all loaded into his pickup truck and we drove to Ottawa on the Friday. And then um, 
yeah, just I went downtown and uh, was again just overwhelmed with there's like kids and families, grandparents, people of you know all all stripes. Like it, it was just it was like Canada Day every day, and um, so that first weekend was just incredible. The free food, the like, um, just everyone hugging and this just incredible like festive atmosphere and. Um, I don't remember what day it was specifically, but somewhere along the way, I hopped in uh, Jay, the shed dweller, as we call him, his truck, just to warm up. And uh, and he's just like the kindest guy in the world. And it's like immediately we're like old friends and we're chatting away. And uh, that was my first time connecting with him. And then can you describe the-, the shed to us? Some of us listening <laughs> are like, what would they keep talking about the shed? What is this shed? Can you give us a sure. visual and what it is? So there's a black, um, Jay has, owns a black Freightliner, which is like a flatbed on the back. And uh, his brother built this, it's it's literally a, a, like a garden shed with uh, just a little front door. And uh, he built that on the back of his trailer uh, or on, on the truck. And um, yeah, the original plan was that was gonna be a place for him to live. It had two little beds in it and some shelving. And- um, Oh, he was gonna live it, in there during the uh, protest. Yeah, that was okay. the plan. Um, okay. So the so I, I I meet him. I see the shed, and like you know, it's hard to miss. It was right. We were right at Metcalf and Wellington, like right in front of the Peace Tower. And um, by the end of the weekend, I I said to my friends, like you know, I I got to stay here. I um so I, I reached out to my boss, and he was um, supportive. And we were kind of slow this time of year too, which was helpful. So he gave me. A few weeks holidays and um the holiday pay is used up now by the way but it started off with some holidays but uh and, and i ended up uh staying here and and getting more involved so you climb on the back of this shed for the first time you, i mean the guy's name is jay yeah he's from ottawa where you're from uh no he's from um like down near niagara area okay and that's where you're from yeah. or where are you from uh, they're like the, the Waterloo, Kitchener-Waterloo area. Kitchener-Waterloo. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you you show up, you're in Wellington Street, you see the shed. Do you recognize the shed from the overpass? Or is this, or are you in the moment going, what the hell is it? Someone's built like a, a wood shed on the back of a truck and you just go over out of curiosity. Yeah, no, I did. Uh, I did recognize it. Yeah. And I recognized some of the other trucks and, but it, it was... It was like right on the, literally the front line. There were the two lines um, on Wellington that met and faced each other. So his was on the one, the one end. And like, yeah, I can't, I mean, it, it seems so long ago. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but like a lot of meeting the drivers, it would have, I just hopped in and got chit chatting. And um, yeah, so it, so, then this, it wasn't- so this guy has a shed, he's going <laughs> to live in the shed suddenly it turns into like a radio station yeah okay so to get to that um, yeah how does that happen so i um this will be good to have these conversations on on record because i'm gonna end up forgetting all this but um (laughs) so i'm a networker I, i love to connect with people and um so like everyone down there you get bored of waving a flag uh pretty quick and that's the crazy thing the government's never seen, you know, this level of, of, of blue collar protest, as it were, in recent history. And people get bored of waving a flag pretty quick. 
and they don't resort to violence. They don't get bored in that way. Instead, they get to work. Um, and so I, you know, my little niche was like, I'm a networker, I like connecting with people. I'm going to start networking. So I just started like going up and down the street, connecting with drivers, trying to figure out like what was going on. And initially it was like, who's in charge? Because you default like everyone to assuming that someone's in charge. Right. I very quickly found out that nobody's in charge. And all these guys on, on Wellington, um, or the majority of them, there was a few from Quebec, but the majority of them came from Southern Ontario. They didn't come with an organized convoy. They simply, like me, heard what was happening and drove down to Ottawa and ended up stuck right in front of um, Parliament. And in case your viewers don't know, it's been reported elsewhere, but like it was the police who, who stopped them in the first place. So they were planning to just kind of roll around Ottawa. And then the police put up these barricades and told them to stop, you know, because they're going to do just a weekend protest and be on their way. And uh, which obviously not how it went, but the police stopped them. And now these guys from Southern Ontario, most of who came by themselves, didn't know anybody, were just, you know, there to support. We're now turned into a symbol of, of the whole movement. And um, they so didn't they're know blocked anyone. In? Yes, they're blocked the, police, in. the police stopped them. I mean, I have footage from like friends of mine who were drivers who like filmed coming in and, and the police like waved them to stop. And they, the police stopped those trucks there in the first place. So those trucks were never planning to like stop there in the middle of the street. It was, um, the police obviously underestimated the, the determination of these guys because their reasoning was, okay, we'll block off all the trucks. They'll get bored after the weekend and they'll head back to work. Uh, I, I can only assume was their intention, but no, so the police blocked the trucks off. The Ontario guys were stuck on Wellington Street because they got there first. Um, the Western Convoy was actually stuck uh, a few kilometers down on, um, I forget the name of the highway, but there's a highway that goes along the river and feeds into the downtown. And they were all blocked off on, on that. And um, so they blocked off all these trucks and they all had to, to stop. And, uh, and that's how the guys ended up stuck on, on Wellington Street was because the police told them to stop. And they stopped right there on Wellington Street. And, mm -hmm. and that's how they ended up there in the first place. So I, I went around and was networking with these guys. And when I finally got to the bottom of realizing that they don't know what's going on, no one down here knows what's going on. Um, and then I just started like, uh, and when then when I connected with Jay, he was of like mind too, of like, we got to bring people together and, and communicate. And, and so we, we started kind of meeting with some people uh, at the shed. Um, this was before it was any kind of media thing or whatever. It was a few uh, drivers and kind of, and people like me who were, who were stationed down there. It came like a bit of a hub. So you yeah, say, meet me at the shed, the, the shed at six o'clock. We're going to uh, catch up. Okay. Yeah. And the first, the first driver's meeting that we had um, was hilarious because these are all like, like alpha male independent types. I mean, most of the guys down there uh, like were owner operators because as you can imagine, not many companies were willing to send their, their trucks um, to get stuck down down there. So right. uh, they're mostly owner operators, very independent types. And all of a sudden we're, we're, we're putting them in this little, the one meeting when uh, there was like a dozen drivers squished into this shed. And like everyone was like yelling at each other. And I, I was just like sitting in the corner on the bed and just like laughing to myself. And they're just screaming at the top of their lungs. And because everyone was like, what's going on? Like, who's in charge? Like, what's, how are we getting our fuel? Like what? Anyway, everyone, it was a, 
everyone's fired up (laughs) yeah like what is going on this is crazy um and then yeah that uh that can imagine you're you're in the eye of the storm like the shed is literally on the front lines right there and one of the first trucks to arrive yeah Yeah, and and like you show up you think it's going to be maybe you're going to drive through or hang out for a weekend maybe and then suddenly it starts to build up around you and you realize oh my god i'm in the center of this thing that goes kilometers out from where you are you can't leave if you wanted to Oh my God, I can't imagine that. Yeah, these fired up alpha males. <laughs> oh yeah, so it was like overwhelming and no one really knew what was going on, but um, that's that's how that went. And then uh, eventually there was this system of captains that you might have referred to where a number of the more organized convoys that came in had like captains, like road captains assigned to the groups to help coordinate the convoy. Um, and so when I was trying to help these boys out initially, I kept getting told, well, just tell them to talk to their captain. I said, you guys don't seem to understand what's going on on Wellington Street. No one's got a captain. They all just showed up. No one knows what's going on. And so I, I got connected with some of the other captains and then just sort of like de facto turned into a captain myself because I was already networking with those guys. And then so um, me and Jay and then a few others on the street uh, served as as captains and worked to essentially uh, just bring people together and make sure they were getting what they needed. And like, I mean, I've said before to these meetings that we had, eventually we started meeting with all the captains at a hotel. And uh, I mean, like a reporter could have sat in and, and built, there was nothing like nefarious happening. It was like, who needs fo- food? Who needs fuel? Um, you know, how's everyone doing? And then um, by the end of it, everyone was like praying together because when things were getting more tense and we'd always close the meetings in prayer, it started out almost like symbolically. Uh, there was a pastor who would pray for the group. And then by the end, it was far from symbolism. You know, they'd all stand up and take their hats off and, and pray together um, wow. as we as we were nearing this kind of precipice that we knew was coming. So, um, but yeah, wow. that's, fast, that's fast forwarding again. But Wow. Just the bond that suddenly these... Oh yeah, you guys had it was it yeah truly incredible um and so yeah that that little group kept growing till eventually there was like 40 of the drivers on the street were all meeting together because it takes a while for the guys some some of them for the first week are like i'm fine i'm fine i'll take care of myself don't talk to me uh you know get lost and yeah. then in, in in less polite language than that and then um, but then later later on people started getting bored and and wanted to figure out what's going on or they were you know their fuel was getting low and they needed to kind of plug into the network as it were and so eventually we moved into the we called it the freedom trailer and it was a big um, trailer that said freedom across it and uh, it turned into the new meeting place and that's where the drivers on Wellington would get together and Jay would lead um, those meetings and um and then i would kind of liaison with uh i was running around networking at this point figuring out who's doing fuel uh who can help us get like rooms to stay in and so i was just running out doing a lot of networking and then feeding that to to jay and uh and then he would feed that out to his drivers at, at the meetings and that was sort of the system that we had at that point and then there was uh i had been doing my to get into where the film stuff came in so that's kind of how things looked on the street for us practically speaking and then I had been doing my own live streams on Facebook and stuff like many people were and I was that's where I first caught on like how engaged people are with this because all of a sudden I had like 
a couple of hundred uh, followers on my personal Facebook, which is never something I'd experienced before. And they're like, you got to keep, you like make your videos public so we can see them. And my friends want to see them. And so then I started making my just little vlog type things uh, public and all these people wanted to, to watch them. And, um, and so that was kind of the first I caught on that, oh, like people are really, you know, they want information about what's going on here. So then um, there was a few, there was a group of a few other um, people that uh, um, had similar kind of vision and Jay networked with all of us and, and pulled us all into the shed and, uh, and then live from the shed uh, was born. And it, it, it partly, actually I'm getting, no, I'm going ahead because before that we had this idea of just putting up some webcams basically for security. And so before we even turned it into live from the shed, it was just like I set up this webcam and I had it hooked up to a computer essentially just to record um, around these trucks up front uh, for their safety. Mm. And then, and then got the brainwave of like, I should figure out how to stream this. Like that's a thing. So I'd never streamed before. And um, so I figured out how to, how to stream and went through all the growing pains that, that YouTubers would go through, but wow. all condensed, condensed into a few weeks. And so, and then, yeah, as part of that process, as we started streaming, then, um, Jay pulled together a group of people and um, we set up some social media accounts and uh, we were taking pictures and doing little interviews with people and trying to run this 24 seven stream. Um, then wow. hilarious story. Uh, did you see that we had uh, Starlink internet on, on our shed? No. Yeah. The Elon so, Musk, the Elon Musk, uh... <laughs> the Elon Musk satellite dish. So I was ripping through the data plans, as you can imagine, doing this live stream. And I hadn't really thought about that piece of like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of data. But so I was burning through my data plan. And then we had this digital sign that people would have seen and like an LED sign on the shed. And so we put on there, hey, Elon, we need Starlink. And uh, then I kid you not, that same day after we put the sign up, someone came over and was like, are you serious? You need Starlink? And we're like, yeah, I mean, we were kind of joking, but if you have it, we would take it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get you one. And so this guy, he drove like a couple hours to his place in Quebec. He picked up, took apart his whole Starlink system and drove back. And that night we hooked up Starlink and we had a, we had a satellite internet connection for our wow. live stream. <laughs> wow. Some dude just went to his house and like, yeah, wow. yeah, it, it was. And then it's hilarious because I didn't even have his phone number. So after all this, um, I didn't know how to get it back to him. I, I, I was able to recover it from the impound lot. And thankfully he reached out to me on Facebook and was like, Oh, I, I see you guys aren't downtown anymore. Like, um, do you still have the Starlink? And I was like, yeah, I'm glad you messaged me because I, I didn't know who you were. So he wow. drove again. I offered to mail it to him, but he said, no, that'll cost too much. So he drove again to come get it from me. And it's just like, I mean, there's endless stories like this. Of just wow. What a hero. How much, <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Wow. So, we, so um, and at that point, okay, so you you get a group of people together. Everyone maybe has been doing their own little Facebook stream or something. They're into the, the sharing the story. Um, well, you set up a schedule. Like you have to little get a little mixing board. Like you go, you're going to at the mall and picking up a couple <laughs> microphones and webcams. Um, how did that come together? Yeah, it was like like everything on Wellington Street. It was just like see a need, fill it. See a need, fill it, and. 
so it was like a couple people ran around and started like taking pictures and like someone else uh, was like networking with people to find stories and but it was like very chaotic because you know someone would come help with us for like a day or two and then all of a sudden disappear and then so like it, it wasn't slick and cohesive like like any like anything down there but um and yeah it was, li was, it was live like you're just sitting there behind the mic um yeah so talking then, interviewing uh, people someone else is wrangling an, the next guest out of the crowd sort of thing they, they no, haul you up so, into the back of the flatbed truck and push you in the shed and you're live and then well i hadn't figured out so live from the live part was at first just our webcam that was broadcasting from the top of the shed and then we were doing like little recorded interviews um with with people i mean if i was you know, next time, if I was to do this all again, I would have just started live streaming right from the get go, because that's, it's crazy how people really locked into to YouTube and, and Rumble and other streaming platforms to just actually watch. Because mm -hmm. I guess the, I think part of the problem with like recorded video and pictures is it's hard to really, you know, where is this happening? Is this manipulated in some way? But there's a genuineness and a trust in the live streaming where it's like, mm. I'm literally just walking around these streets, talking to people. It's not set up. And so if I was to do it all again, I, I would have just, we should have just ran with that right from the beginning, but uh, we were making all of this. We went, so we were making little TikTok videos and doing little interviews on Instagram and um, they got a little bit of traction, but then the, the YouTube live stream just like really it exploded and it, you know, jumped to 20,000 subscribers in like a week or, mm. or something. And all of a sudden that's what people wanted to, to watch. And then I was, I was kind of on security as it was the one I was sleeping in the shed the one night and I was bored. So I hooked up a microphone and I started talking to the YouTube world, just like not just totally like as jokes that I was like bored and I just like said, hi, and, like I'm Dave. And all of a sudden people start going in the chat. What? There's someone there? Dave, who's Dave? <laughs> and, and then and then they start asking all these questions. And uh, it just like kept me awake um, and, uh, and from getting bored. And so I just started answering these questions. And people were so hungry for knowledge. And it's hard to, um, I mean, even like the journalists and stuff wouldn't have the same access that that i did like right in the middle of these meetings and hanging out with these drivers and so people were so keen to like hear what was really going on and, and everything and i was like man I, I i guess we should i i found it really weird well one it was scary getting your face out there at first right because there was all these threats from police and at first i never used my name and i didn't even go on camera i just used the mic because yeah i was i was nervous and i was afraid and and then at some point it's like well if they want me, they know who I am now. So I might as well just roll with this. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I started answering these questions and then I started turning on the webcam and actually just kind of doing some little updates on how things were going. And, um, and yeah, people really seem to enjoy that. So that's how the, that whole YouTube thing began. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and then how long were you able to stream for, uh, before, literally you, you live streamed your own arrest that must have been a trip yeah like, i'd have to go look through the videos as to like we weren't even um we weren't even streaming that uh yeah maybe it was the last week or something when we started mm -hmm. when we got it all set up um i'd have to check i don't remember for mm -hmm. sure the timeline but um we'd started doing the streaming and then um 
yeah how did that well it must have been it must have been weird it must have been strange going from okay we're broadcasting now live from canada day on speed to then the cops moving in i mean you have footage of where you can hear people getting like there's that one where the the person's getting like kneed by the cop and you can hear the person screaming and you're like live streaming and that must have been really weird to be streaming now when things got dark yeah so yeah that's kind of so i I explained how things were going you know i was running up and down the street helping with fuel taking care of guys and then trying to keep this little live stream going on the side which was a pain in the butt because um it was around a generator and and that kept cutting out and so if you see the clips you'll see there might be a 10-hour chunk where it's all and then all of a sudden there'll be like half an hour half an hour like because it was cutting in and out Mm. but anyway so i was doing that on the side and then increasingly as we were getting near the the end and we so it was on the maybe it was the thursday i think when we when the police came and started setting up these fences and and a bunch more concrete barriers and and you know it, it was hard to know because we'd gotten so many threats and there were so many rumors and we didn't really know what was true and what's just scare tactics and but uh you know there was definitely a vibe in the air of like something big might be coming and then uh so it became you know more important than ever to try to keep this stream going because we were worried about what might go down and then it was on the friday that they moved in at the chateau laurier and that's where that footage of you saw uh candace getting uh, run over by uh the horse mm-hmm. and and the other gentleman who by the way no one has been able to tracked down yet so i mean if your listeners want to be keyboard warriors the gentleman in the brown coat nobody here knows what happened to him and no media that i've talked to have been able to get a hold of him i mean it's not necessarily something mysterious a lot of people were just afraid and once they were out of there you know lord willing he's fine or you know we hope he's fine and but uh he probably just wanted to disappear but i I would be curious to, to find out what happened to him and who's the guy in the brown coat? The horse too. If you watch the video of, of Candace, who's the um, native woman who uh, got run over by the horse, mm-hmm. there's another individual who's wearing a brown, they call him brown jacket guy. Like he, he's the second one in that New York Times photo who's on the ground and got hit by the horse and nobody knows, no one's heard from him. So mm. uh, it'd be great to make sure he's, he's okay, at least. Um, my guess would be he probably just, after that whole experience got the heck out of there and wanted to disappear yeah but, um I, or I it could be the very okay. beginning of a marvel movie yeah <laughs> you know? it's like so so they move in with the horses and and that that really things weren't too violent on friday i mean relatively speaking i'm comparing to what happened saturday but they had started yeah roughing people up and but if if you watch the some of the streams of that day they were moving really slow like it took them all day to move up like a block on uh, on Wellington Street, mm-hmm. and then that incident with the horses happened, and I think that freaked everyone out on both sides. And then that they stopped moving basically after that. And we kind of thought by Friday that um, maybe that was it. They were going to leave us alone for the weekend because people were starting to come in from out of town. And like Thursday night, I was up all night in the shed because I thought they were going to move in Thursday night. I'm like, they're not going to let us make it till Friday because Friday's when people start showing up. But they did. Um, and they started moving in Friday. It took them really long time, longer than they probably expected. 
And then obviously Friday night they regrouped and someone made the order to like go in hard and fast because then I was up most of the night Friday in the shed um, streaming and uh, I kept, I was expecting them to start to move, but they never moved. And then I decided to go to a hotel and get a couple hours of sleep. And then I got a call at like seven in the morning or something, I forget. And, you know, got to get down here. They're moving again. They're moving again. And by the time I got down there, they had worked their way all the way up from the chateau to near um, the stage at the center of town, which is only a few hundred meters. But in terms of Wellington Street, it was a whole world away. Mm. Um, and they moved very fast. And then I got reports of the pepper spray and the tear gas and beating people with the sticks, smashing windows. All of a sudden, it turned very violent, very fast. And people were terrified. They were screaming like, and so... I get the live stream going and you can see it there and the police have now moved up right to the center there in front of the peace tower. And um, how ironic. Kind of, yeah, I know. Right. Um, and then there's the calm before the storm. They're kind of just standing there. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, they move in and you know, there's, there's people yelling and, uh, and people getting grabbed and arrested and, and the billy clubs are out and, uh, I'm just sitting at the computer, like watching all this through the screen and hearing the noises outside. And I had the microphone going. So yeah, it was, it was a very emotional experience um, to say the least. Yeah. It's eerie to hear that. You hear people going oh, 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 in the background mm-hmm. through that uh, little microphone as you stream, you streamed live from uh, the shed. It's crazy. And so then eventually what they knock on the shed and you're there with your headphones on, on and like, have you like, <laughs> excuse me are you home hello are you okay (laughs) no not quite so i'm watching from the live stream and um they uh yeah they're moving in and i i started reading some of the letters from the kids that are hanging on the wall the whole inside the shed had all these cards from children hanging there so Mm. i started just reading those to the viewers and just reminding them of you know why we're here and and why these people are willing to take a beating and like you know it's these messages from canadians that inspired us to you know a trucker said to me the one time if they wanted me to leave they should have got us out a lot sooner because now i've seen too much i've talked to too many people and i can't leave because i promised Mm. i promised too many people that i would stay and i would stand for their freedom so it um yeah the longer we were there the more determined we were and the more people we met that were begging us to 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 stay and hold that line so I was reading those cards that, that people had uh, given to Jay and dropped off at the shed. And then uh, I heard them go on the roof. We, we had this like stage platform on top of the shed um, where I had the cameras and where we did some interviews up there. And um, I heard them go up on the roof and um, Peace Man, um, if you've come across him, he's the guy with like the Duck Dynasty beard who holds yeah, the peace yeah. sign. He was up there just holding the peace sign, doing his thing. And they arrested him and took him down. There's a great photo of him actually just with cops on both sides and he's still holding the peace sign as they're escorting him down from the shed. But um, so I hear all that going down and I'm just kind of waiting for the inevitable. I I didn't want to burst out of the door at that point because of like, I'm going to wait and let them make the first move. That must have been scary. You're hearing it. You're seeing it through the camera. It's right outside the door. My mother was actually texting me while I was, she didn't, I don't think she knew about my live stream at that point. And she was just happened to text me. It was like, uh, it's maybe time to come home soon. And maybe she'd heard on the news that police were moving in, but 
I'm literally in there waiting for these cops to barge in at any point. I'm like, it's okay, mom. Like, I'll be back soon. Like, I'm like bawling at this point, terrified. Like, oh, is and so they finally, um, they find the first thing I see is like the muzzle of a gun that came in like gun first, and uh, which I can verify because there's another stream from the outside which shows them like my memory is not wrong because there's there's a video from the outside of them going in with the the, the rifle raised which i'm not sure what they were expecting to find in there like it, the whole thing was so weird but yeah, so like anyway, you're not holding someone you're not holding a kid hostage no like you've you know been, you've, you've been here for three weeks we're like hanging out like playing cards and having barbecues like oh my goodness i don't know what you thought i was gonna go kamikaze at the last minute like you could have arrested me at any point during that whole thing you didn't have to come Anyway, so they come in with the rifle aimed right at me. I'm just there, hands at my side. And then he's like, you can hear the audio, get on the ground. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And get on the ground. He cuffs me and, uh, and escorted me out of there. And then you'll see in the live stream, I'm standing out there in the plaid jacket and then eventually escorted down the way. And the camera ran for maybe another hour or so. And then it froze, which was an issue I was having because it didn't seem to like being, it was really cold that day. Yeah. And it, it, it seemed to kept freezing. It wasn't really high enough quality to be built for being out in the freezing cold, but the audio keeps running for about four hours, which is interesting. And at the very end, you can hear the audio of as someone comes into the shed and it was, and it's like, they have some kind of security system here. And then all of a sudden it all cuts off. So they, they, they unhooked it all at that point. And, and that's, wow. that was wow. the last of that stream. So they couldn't even tell it was a live stream. They thought it was a Batman's yeah, cave with uh, a crazy I, security. Something like that. It would have been great if one of the cops so. just sat down and started hosting the show. You know? yeah. What you yeah, just heard I, was a live I, I arrest. Would, hey. I wish that, I wish they'd talked longer on it. It would have been funny. Wow. Dude, that's crazy. So they cuff yeah. you. Where do they take you from there? Yeah, you in the back was... of a, a car and, and like, do they take you to jail? Like, what, what happened? That was an ordeal. And so a, the cop who, uh, if he was a cop, anyway, the, some kind of special forces dude who arrested me. Well, I didn't even know if it was an arrest because he didn't read me my rights or anything like that. I just got cuffed and taken out. And then he passed me to another cop, to another cop. I, I don't remember how many cops I was passed to, but eventually we got led down. Um, we got taken all the way down to Shadow uh, Laurier and they had at this kind of makeshift processing center, which was by processing center. It was a lineup of us with a cop holding our cuffs behind each of us. And one by one they'd go and they, they wrote these charges on whiteboards and then they'd get us to hold a whiteboard with our charges on it. And then took a picture on a smartphone of us holding a whiteboard with our charges on and I smiled for, I mean, if I wasn't laughing, I was crying. So I was trying to have some fun with it. And so I'm smiling. So somewhere out there, there's a picture of me smiling, holding a whiteboard with these charges on it in front of the Chateau Laurier. Wow. Um, so, but then they, uh, then after that, I was passed to another cop who finally said that she wasn't going to, to charge me, uh, which I was very appreciative of. Like, it really seemed which cop you got handed to because my friend Jay, he got handed four charges and he just peacefully surrendered. He, you can see in his live stream, he steps out of the truck and he, the first thing he says is like, calm down guys. And then right. they grab him. And then like, <laughs> so he got four charges. Uh, peace man got charged. He was just standing there holding the peace sign. He got charged, but then like, I didn't end up getting 
charges it was it was it seemed um as best i could tell and i'm thankful for her that the, the officer who arrested me seemed to be quite uncomfortable with what was happening and um and didn't charge me with anything uh, but then there were others who threw the book at people so wow uh, but then so after that whole thing with the whiteboard they load me into a transport prison transport van you know i'm in a little cubicle with my cuffs and it's hard to keep track of time but it, it felt like a long time at least an hour or something that i was just sitting inside this van as they're processing people and then they load up this van once it was full we drove up the street and waited in there for a while again they took me out um they finally took my cuffs off which was much appreciated and uh, by cuffs, I mean these like zip tie things that were super uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and zip ties uh, are more creepy, I find. Yeah, it is. It seems like what more of a criminal would use. And then uh, they cut those off, and then they transferred us into uh, another transport van, um, and then drove us like half an hour out of the city to some parking lot. Um, I I wasn't. I didn't really wasn't in the state of mind to keep track after I got dropped off I should have seen where it was but I just got dropped off at this parking lot and uh, then handed my stuff back um, they gave me my phone and and said I was free to go and uh, thankfully there was uh, I don't know if you heard that it named the capital city biker church thrown around um, but uh, no. shout out to them and um, they were so kind uh, to us that day and they had people waiting at that parking lot in their vehicles to pick us up and bring us to their their church and they had hot meals and coffee and some like counselors wow. we could talk to if we wanted to so these uh these lovely people from the bikers church they they picked us up they drove us to their church and um and yeah i was really shooken up uh, along with everyone else and there was probably 50 other people at the church there too who had been arrested and dropped off various places around the city and and they brought us in and um I took care of us um and then and uh and then it was just like trying to figure out where everyone was spent that afternoon texting people calling uh ashley who if people look at our videos um at live from the shed she's um the girlfriend of one of the drivers who was downtown and we couldn't get a hold of her for hours um it wasn't till it was starting to get dark so whatever time that would have been five or, or later and and we still hadn't heard from her and Finally, she called because she was arrested the same time I was, but we were taken in different transport vehicles. And she ended up being kept in the transport vehicle for several hours longer than I was. And when she finally got dropped off, her phone was dead. And, and she's like saying to the cop, like, what am I supposed to do? My phone's dead. I'm in the, out in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, well, there's a gas station. Get a charger. And so she literally went over to this gas station, um, you know, young woman alone, getting dark in the middle city she doesn't know and uh she was able to get a charger at the gas station and the, the owner of the gas station let her charge her phone there and then she had to wait for it to charge and then called her boyfriend to to come pick her up and um mm. as you can imagine she was not in a good and and she was cuffed the whole time i at least had them removed she was in there for hours like she's got photos of her wrists all red and swollen after that whole ordeal she sat there cuffed for the whole day basically and Anyway, these are just like the stories of, you know, those closest with me, but um, there's, there's even more tragic tales I could tell of like the one individual who had every window in her car was smashed. They, you know, not just, I, I can even understand 
okay, they smashed the front driver's window to open the door so they can, you know, take the vehicle, whatever. Maybe that's even justifiable. But then they went to every window, front, back, sides, and they smashed every window in her car. I have a photo of her car. I'm working to getting her money to help pay for those windows. But just they went and smashed every single window in her car and then left it there. So it got full of snow. Um, and just disgusting. There's no no justification for that at all. Somebody peacefully surrenders and then you go smash every window in their car. And then you'll see in our videos at Live from the Shed on YouTube, when we went to the impound lot to get the trucks back, um, windows had been smashed in, in, there was some bunky windows that got smashed, like in the driver's bunkies, which is like, that doesn't make any sense. Why on earth would you smash a bunky window? There's, you can't even fit through there if you wanted to. Um, but just to presumably to let the snow leak in and just to be a jerk and and they left Tyler's truck running it's this beautiful baby blue Kenworth that um, your viewers might have seen in pictures and stuff that he was right near the front and they left they left his truck running um, so it, it ran completely dry and the battery's dead and so it was a whole ordeal to try to get his his truck going again not to mention all full of snow and I mean it, I'd be amiss if I didn't say that that not all the cops were like this by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there was like the person who ended up letting me go without charges there. There were some very good people there. And, and, and during our time working downtown, we had cops, you know, who were very friendly to our cause. Um, I had an OPP officer who allowed me to bring fuel through. Um, even when they declared fuel illegal, he just, we had a nod agreement with each other that that uh, that mm. he led us us through there, and there's some very special moments like that with some of these police. And so there were some very good men and women who were serving there as well. But there was also some very disturbing individuals who seemed to get a lot of joy out of um, simply causing pain to uh, to defenseless people, uh, which was awful to see. Yeah, I, I'd heard. I've heard a bunch of different stories about the police. I'd heard it was a volunteer thing. If you wanted to volunteer to go to Ottawa from any of these police forces across the country. And yeah, a lot of cops were like, no, I'm because a lot of cops are, are, they're sort of, they're sort of down with the cause. Um, but they didn't want to volunteer to be a part of that because they knew where it could potentially go, I guess. Um, Cause yeah, you don't want to be the guy who, who secretly believes in freedom. <laughs> And then you've got to arrest these people. But yeah, the people that, that rushed up to volunteer, I guess the, are the, I guess the people who are just uh, the cowboys who want to get some action. You know, they're kind of excited to get some, you know, they signed up to be a cop and I've never got to use my gun before. Now's my chance to pull it and, and, uh, and be a cowboy. But oh, man, that breaks my heart yeah. to hear the, the, the bad side, the dark side of people. It's awful. Um, yeah. So, so, so now what? It's, it's now been a few weeks. Everyone sort of, I mean, I heard stories of people were sleeping in tents in farmers' fields. Their trucks were, you know, confiscated. They're, you know, I'm hoping everyone got home safe. What's the chatter like now? I mean, maybe you can't tell me, but are people talking about oh, a convoy part two or like how does the movement shift? There's nothing, nothing secret. I mean, there's never been some, uh, some secret plan at, at, at play. I mean, I want a secret plan. I want yeah, yeah. a secret plan. Come on. <laughs> no, like it's all, it's out in the open. That, well, uh, back up. So what happened the last couple of weeks, a lot of it was, it's hilarious. They all wanted us out, but then like kept all our stuff, which is not a great way to get people out of the city. So 
the, the trucks were impounded for seven days, which meant that all some some people from Southern Ontario did go home for a couple of days, but then had to come back up on the weekend. But then a bunch of people just stayed and went to some of those camps that you mentioned and had to wait for their cars or trucks. There was like a hundred and some vehicles in total that that were towed and impounded. That the whole impound lot was a gong show too. It was literally apparently it's used for like storing plows and stuff normally. It was just like this fenced in city lot and that they just dumped all the vehicles and it was a total they, they literally made a new form for this event like I showed it to a lawyer and he laughed he's like yeah that that's not a real form like they just made up these forms for the drivers to sign made up this arbitrary number of $1,191 which is what the drivers uh, had to pay to get their trucks back they were just making stuff up as they went but anyway so that first weekend after we got most of the trucks back, but then some of them like um, Tyler's wouldn't start because of how they were treated. And so again, you want to set of the city, like you're not making it easy, but anyway, so we had to stick around for a couple of days there, get everyone's trucks going again. Um, Jay, you can see it on our YouTube channel. Uh, we had to get like a, uh, a truck to pull his truck out because his wouldn't run anymore. And um, so it was all our deal getting the trucks back. And then we're still trying to get uh, our generators, um, propane tanks, um, anything that was on the, the road. So the trucks, everything that was in the trucks we got back, but anything that was on the road, the police still have. So that includes like a dozen generators probably and um, any number of things that were that were simply still on the ground, could be people's bags. Um, we, we had some banners from our live from the shed thing. Um, there were propane tanks, jerry cans, Anyway, tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff that was on the street. And instead of like, uh, as best I can tell, they didn't geolocate any of it or keep track of any of that. They dumped it all in these trailers, which then went to an evidence place. I spent the last week trying to figure out where that place is. I finally went in there. Uh, it was that yesterday or two days ago. And they said, oh, do you have the serial number for the generators? And I, I just started laughing at that. And then he got all mad at me for laughing. I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. It's just like, do you have the serial number for your lawnmower? Like, nobody's got that. Anyway, and then um, he asked me what my case number was and who my arresting officer was. And I, I kind of laughed again. I was like, you you were down there on, on the weekend, were you? Uh, if you think I have a case number and an arresting officer, because the normal system would be you'd come with your case number and then they'd release your yeah. stuff. And, but that's not how this was like a sweep of the streets threw it all in the back of a trailer. And now we're supposed to be the ones to prove whether we own our own stuff or not. I was like, wow. well, for one, for one, there's like some fairly expensive banners that say live from the shed on it. This is that proof enough. Like I can show you my YouTube channel. Can right. I get my banner? Right. Can I get my banners back? Um, so I have no, I still don't know. Um, they said they're tagging it and sorting it. And what's today now it's Wednesday. They said that I shouldn't call again until Thursday. Um, so we'll try again tomorrow and see where it's at, whether, and then, and then they're telling me that they'll only release it to the owners. So, I mean, there's probably, there's at least a hundred different people's stuff represented in those trailers and you expect, so you want each of them to come up individually and try to claim all their stuff. And it's like, so I get it. That's your normal system. You want to release it to the owner, but like you, you guys screwed up the normal system long ago. So at this point, if they would just take those trailers to, you know, 
one of our bases and then allow our people to just we can figure it out amongst ourselves who who mm. what belongs to but anyway i doubt they're going to do that um so i don't know how anyone's going to get their stuff back at this point so anyway there's just i keep trying to get home and then there's more loose ends that keep uh coming up and then this whole thing um yeah i want to give a, a shout out to your listeners too uh, about Enrico at the iconic cafe and i just did a video with uh viva frey and him last night um viva's uh, quite a well-known youtuber and um so on Enrico, he had his restaurant open he was serving people during this time and was doing a really great business and um and then after a video of the bylaw people coming to his store went viral of him denying them access he locked the door and wouldn't let them in mm-hmm. and that went viral and then within days after that he was informed that he had to be out of his building by the end of the month so now he's in the process of getting evicted and so we've started a, a give send go uh for him uh you can if you just if you look up on rico and the iconic cafe the, there's only the one on there it's pretty obvious what the legitimate one is or you can go to live from the shed and there's some links mm-hmm. on there on my youtube but yeah that's so insane there, right there's... i mean if you're him no matter what you're you're damned if you do damned if you don't but you you close the doors and not serve the truckers and then you're an asshole well it was or this whole narrative serve... sorry go ahead yeah they told this story that we because one of their justifications for the emergency orders and everything was that we are damaging businesses. We are shutting down the city, all this, which is the irony of anyone in our government complaining about shutting down business is just like insane. Right. When I heard when I heard Doug Ford, our premier in Ontario, um, say that, how dare they shut down businesses? <laughs> I was like, how are you listening to yourself right now? You realize that's like why we're here in the first place, right? Like, Oh, oh, so we're making we're making it mildly inconvenient for like a few dozen businesses um, to take a stand for the thousands, tens of thousands of businesses across this country that, that you have shut been, down. Uh, yeah, that's like totally insane. But and 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 I and I know I'm biased, obviously, and maybe people think I'm exaggerating. But if if you know Ottawa, there are not a lot of businesses in the area where we were. Um, mm. They told this story as if like. And I think people maybe are visualizing like their their own main streets, their high streets or whatever, of all covered in trucks. And that's not how this was. Wellington Street is all government buildings, which are all sitting empty and have been for, I wonder who, where all these people are, but they've Mm -hmm. all been sitting empty for years and uh, they're all enjoying their their salary somewhere, not being affected by this at all. But all these government buildings are empty. Um, there was the next street over on some of the sides or two streets over maybe on Slater and stuff. There's some restaurants there. The first two streets off uh, Wellington and whatever the next street is, I forget. That's all government buildings. And then by the third block in, you get into some restaurants. Most of them were open and were doing a great business. The shawarma place was killing it. Iconic Cafe, Subway, Tim Hortons, like they were all open too. Uh, if not in the first few days, within you know the first week, they opened up too, and they had lineups out the door. Timmy's and McDonald's just constantly had a line of people getting coffee, mm. and uh, and and they were killing it. And so, I mean, yeah, is you know, is McDonald's going to get evicted? You know, let's let's treat them all fairly, right? No, of course not. They're going to go after the little guy, uh, and thinking he can't defend himself. So there's a handful of businesses. Most of them were open. Um, 
and, and say the honking thing too, like, um, sure, there would have again been a handful of people affected by that. The nearest condos though are like, this isn't a residential area by any stretch. There's a handful of condos, again, a few blocks over. My hotel was over by where the condos were. Um, if I like went up to the window and listened, yeah, I could hear some honking in the distance, but by no means affected sleep at all and by by the time they passed that rule about the no honking most people had stopped honking anyway because for our own sanity we got we got bored of it too and and right uh, and i don't i don't think anyone was too torn up when they banned the honking because it's like oh now i have an excuse not to honk the horns because this is like getting annoying but like it, it the whole the whole story they told and the justification for sending in the troops is we are shutting down the businesses we're, we're you know we're dangerous and and, and Enrico and the Akana Cafe and others like him, they broke that narrative. They opened their doors. They, they got hugs from customers. They got tipped generously. They, 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 they made more money um, in that couple of weeks than they'd made in years. And it was thanks to the generosity of, of the truckers and their supporters. Um, and so it didn't fit their story. And I think that's what upset them the most is uh, it, it didn't fit in the nice little narrative that they were trying to weave about what we were like. Man. And they went after him for it. Well, it certainly backfired because now we don't believe <laughs> anything that oh. uh, that the mainstream says. We just don't. I mean, so many people who just had no clue now are like, "Wow, it's pretty." Like we all we all have Instagram. You know, we saw what was really going on, and even now, as more pictures and videos roll out that people are releasing, it's like, "Oh my God, wow!" The news was just totally full of of crap. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so you're more, still in Ottawa, right? Like you, you, yeah. you haven't even left yet. I was back for a little bit. Um, I came back with Jay after we recovered the truck, and um, we had some meetings down there. We were invited to speak at some. There was a number of drivers from the Niagara area, and so we were invited to to speak at at these um, these different some some different events, and then just some time to. Uh, we hadn't really even like just hung out as buddies yet so it was fun too to just like you know sit in the hot tub have a meal together and we got to just connect a bit that way so that was fun um and it's funny too these guys you work so closely with and then we'd never even really talked about like backstories so it was funny just like talking about how'd you meet your wife or i never even talked about that before and all this <laughs> yeah. stuff of like that we just these conversations we never had so that was really great and um but you know that doesn't last very long and then there's stuff to deal with of um so I secured a lawyer for, for Jay and got that figured out. And, uh, and then I went home, had dinner with my parents one night and met up with a few friends, got to go to, uh, actually that, that, that felt good. I, I went to, um, a friend of mine plays junior hockey and I got to go watch him play for the first time in, in, in a while and with Novak's passport and, um, and so just feeling that victory and, and I went in without a mask too. And actually there was probably, you know, I, I'd, I'd be happy to say 10 to 20% of people were not wearing a mask in that arena. And like, it just brought a smile to my face and, and no one questioned me. And I was wearing like a trucker's sweater that I got down here. And um, just knowing that, you know, we have accomplished something here and, and, you know, maybe there's still uh, ground to be won, but but something great has happened here and I'm walking in no Vax passport, no mask, and no one's giving me trouble for it. And I get to, you know, watch my friend play hockey again. And so that was really moving and uh, exciting to do. And, but then. Um, you have, you have, you have woken up, you've woken people up, you know, and thank God, because, you know, it's not going to stop here, man. Like they got those digital IDs 
ready to go nationwide and i'm sure there'll be some other variant that gets dropped and you well, know they'll try yeah. yeah in the next couple of years or whatever i mean for sure they, they haven't uh it's always you know two steps forward one step back so thank god you guys woke people up because now people are on high alert for for the bs you know and now it's it's people are now a lot of people looking away from mainstream into you know things like you know the shed or other <laughs> alternative i mean i made the jump to podcasting so i can speak truth too um i think that there's that's going to be really important over the next little while so yeah man you guys uh thank god you did what you did you know but now i'm curious well, to know it, what's going to happen next. I, you know i i think that the story i want to get across too that i'm trying to tell is so like again i'm not not a trucker i mean the the credit to to that um occupation that that you know was willing to band together and 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 say enough is enough and then so many of us yeah who joined along but but really that that honor and credit to to those guys who and uh, who put everything on the line because like at the end of the day i don't have a lot on the line i've got a boss who's still going to support me uh i'm single i got a cheap rent and and it's like i um I'll be okay, you know, and like worst case, there's enough cash jobs around my area that I'll be fine. Um, but these guys who had their trucks down there, company names plastered across the truck and the whole world like knew exactly who they were and could, could look up their companies. And, um, you know, that, that takes guts and, uh, and they put everything on the line and they, they were prepared to, to lose it all to take this stand. And so, Man, so much uh, respect due to to those guys, especially each of the drivers who who ended up in Ottawa and and stayed, and and to even those who couldn't stay. Um, you know, there were those who had to go home for various reasons, and but uh, but mad respect to each of them for the time that they did give to to it all. And also, maybe it's stereotypical, um, but I just imagine truckers being like they're on the road for sometimes weeks at a time if they're doing a long journey. Um, they're used to being kind of lone wolves kind of on their own and to take that sort of personality that maybe you're a little more introverted, it's kind of in your own thing uh, to then join this, this movement and join a group of people that maybe for some of them was kind of an uncomfortable thing. Like the guys who were kind of quiet the first week, yeah. sort of, they don't really want to get too involved and they need fuel. Them. And now they're making friends and becoming part of this, uh, this historic movement. Yeah. We're it doing a big shindig more... uh, this weekend, which I'm excited about. So on Saturday, we're getting, bunch of the drivers and then just people who are connected with us on Wellington street. So there's like some other streamers are, are coming and like uh, shots by hell, who was a photographer and streamer on yeah, yeah. Instagram. I interviewed him and, and a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. When is this happening this and, weekend? Uh, yeah. This weekend. So it's not like public, but it's like public amongst Wellington street. So mm. um, it should, that should be really fun. And uh, yeah, you could probably, uh, I imagine I'll get, I'll put some of it on my channel and, uh, I'm so sure where, where are you, so you guys are going to all get together and just have a little, at Jay's, yeah, at, I think it's at Jay's farm or one of the farms around his area. And, right. uh, they, I, I just got word that they got a bunch of skids donated. So they're going to lay out skids to make a dance floor out of, cause it's all wet and muddy and set up a tent and we've got a DJ and, uh, that's I, what I, we I'm need. Gonna... We need all the truckers. <laughs> I'm stoked for that. Dancing. So we'll get it. It'll, it'll be fun. Cause I mean, honestly, like I said, we didn't have a ton of social time. It was always like battle ready kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, occasionally people would uh, have a couple of drinks in the, in the trailer, but you always had to be vigilant. And so to be able to just all actually just have fun together um, for a night will be, um, 
will be great. So yeah, the, people are definitely staying in touch. And uh, as far as the secret plans um, are concerned, there's like, it just keeps ex expanding. So, you know, they shut us all down in Ottawa. They kicked us all out of there. And you know what that did? Um, like uh, if, if people know the Jewish history of the, the diaspora of the, when, when, when the temple was destroyed and, uh, and the Jews spread out all over the world and ended up becoming a, a huge avenue to, to share their, their message with uh, many others and, and not just in Israel. And, and so in a way, it's like you have that kind of thing. If we, we had this base in, on Wellington Street and in the surrounding areas, and then they, they destroyed that, but then it meant everyone just spread out all over the country. And so I, every day I just got an, another message someone shared of a, a group that's trying to, that's pulling together, oh, well, not trying to, they already have dates set up and they're gonna do a little cross Canada tour We've got our shed crew, which um, if you guys follow live from the shed, you'll see updates on that. We're going to do a little Ontario tour. We're going to take the shed and uh, a couple of our frontline boys and um, hit up some different cities in Ontario and um, uh, just run a little event, barbecue, bouncy castles, some music. Like we'll just have a fun little family events on the weekends. So we've got our thing going. Uh, there's there's other people are, are planning, you know, their own things and I, this is just i only really know about the stuff that's happening in southern ontario because each of us is kind of tracking into our areas but i know that um those who headed out east and west and um they're all doing the same thing i mean near where i live in um listowel there was like like 200 cars last week and did a little convoy around that area mm -hmm. and i've i got invited to some other I don't even know where it is. It's somewhere out near London. I got invited to an event and, and they've been consistently getting like 200 people out to their events. So I'm going to go speak at that. And, mm. and these things are just like bubbling up all over the place. So there, there's, there's honestly, I mean, whether believe me or not, there's no, nobody's like pulling the strings. Nobody's calling the shots. Even those who like evolved into like more senior roles in Ottawa and like they, um, it's, it's an annoying because even when they try to pull something off, some other group is already off doing their own thing. Like you couldn't, you could mm. barely pull every, you couldn't pull everyone together if you tried because uh, they, they're all just, everyone's doing their own thing. And so each, each kind of group, everyone formed their little group of, of friends and like, we've got our Wellington street crew and we're going to be doing some events, but then like, there's, there's all, there were entire like little communities that formed at these different intersections. Like, like I said, down at Shadow Laurier was a whole different world. They had their own kind of structure of leadership and their, their own community down there. And then we had our group, even Wellington wasn't cohesive. We had, when you went across Metcalf to the east, that was a different community. They, they had a mostly French drivers and they had their own kind of thing. And then west of Metcalf was where the English drivers from Southern Ontario started. And then mm. we had our, our thing. It, it's it's going to make a great book uh, one day. Um, Netflix. So, yeah, <laughs> a great. you could do a whole TV series on it. It would be fascinating. So that's what I, we joke about. It's like what actor is going to play us in the, uh, in the Netflix remake. So. <laughs> who's playing you? <laughs> who's, who's playing the shed guy? Yeah. yeah, who's the shed guy? Who are you, Who's going to play you? I don't know. Someone like young and handsome and dapper. I'm, I'm sure, of course. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Well, I really hope that there is, I really hope there is some sort of uh, leader or some kind of organization that can bring you guys all together because that's, that's when things will really get powerful. I, I, I'm kind of disappointed to hear it's broken up so much. You know, I kind of want to, I want to know that there's a secret plan happening and, and I hope that, I hope that transpires because but man, kid, man, they're, they're, 
there never was a secret pimp, right? And like, so everyone is still talking. Like I, I, I know all these people, but the, um, see one, there's two things. One of the things is the danger of, of centralized organization. Um, you know, as we've seen, even with, I mean, decentralization is a buzzword across the world. And, and the same when it comes to movements like this, uh, the, the danger of there being ahead is they can take out the head and make an example of them. And that's what mm -hmm. they are doing to Tamara. And that's mm -hmm. what they're doing to iconic cafe is anyone who like gets too much attention, then they like come after them. So if, if we were organized in that fat fashion, I think it would be, it could be quite dangerous. I think down the road when um, you know, there people are still a little on edge and like, cause as far as I understand it from lawyers, uh, I could still be served charges um, for up to six months or something like that. Mm. You know, there, there is all these fears for sure. I mean, I've basically just stopped caring at, at this point, but I could totally appreciate it. And I don't hold it against someone who's been like some YouTubers have took their footage down. Um, mm. You know, one YouTuber reached out to me, he passed me along his footage so I could see it, but he had police show up at his door and told him to take down his footage, not with official papers, just with like being mean, grumpy guys of like, we're going to get you. And I tried, wow, I, I, really? I, yeah, that that's, that's true story. Um, that they uh, they came to his uh, door. He had quite a nice vantage spot um, that, and, and managed to get some good footage that I, I um, saw. And um, so maybe they're going to come after me now. But it, it, they they literally went wow. to his door and um, and threatened to uh, charge him or whatever they did. Which there is no way, even with the emergency orders, there is absolutely no way that just like he um, that like you know filming um, can can be. Uh, a crime it's like the he he wasn't even in like the red zone he was um so anyway but they they just intimidate people wow. and and so he took his uh, footage down and there i'm sure there's some hidden gems in private videos on youtube somewhere that we haven't seen yet too that that could be helpful to these litigation cases and stuff but um yeah so the decentralization is powerful because um there there's no like one person that can deplatform I mean, yeah, you know, I've got my little group and you, sure you could deplatform us, but there's a dozen more, more than it. There's all sorts of other channels and Facebook groups. Well, you see it. Mm. A great example is the, the official Freedom Convoy Facebook group, which keeps getting deleted and reformed by different people, like almost weekly. I, I mm. saw it's, it's up, it's up again to 150,000. It was at like almost a million. And then it got deleted and then it jumped to half a million, got deleted, opened up again. And now it's open again. Wow. Um, and so, and they can't even, because I can tell you there's like groups like that. It's not like those are officially sanctioned. Like it gets deleted and then someone else just makes a new one on their account. And then everyone jumps to that one. So it's, it's not like there's some, we have some group of hackers who work for us, like, planning all this it's like no that's just like someone in their basement's like oh the group's deleted i'm gonna make a new one invite everyone it's always in their like, basement <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah or their mother's basement or something yeah. but uh it, so it's all you... just people uh working together and and so things will keep happening you're not going to hear it from like official press releases what will happen is um i'll hear that uh, a guy was like oh i know that guy and he's got a great group and he can get stuff done he sends me a picture of like the, the dates that he's doing events. I forward that to someone else who shares it in their group and I put it on my YouTube and someone puts it, who knows where it came from initially, but 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 someone put mm. out a schedule of some events and people will start showing up at these events. So like, if you want secret plan, like 
Um, sure, like there's like that, but it's not like it's not in it's not even like that's intentional. It's just like someone comes up with an idea, it gets some ground, it gets shared around the socials. Um, like like that march that happened last weekend. I I mean there was a bunch of groups saying that oh we should all get together and like march at, at Ottawa. I don't know if you know there was around a thousand people. We did a march around downtown Ottawa mm. this past weekend. I'm sure the news never touched it at all, but I, the, the streamers were all there, which was great to see. Uh, they came back for it, but it was like someone posted in one group and then like it, I saw 10, 11 and 12 for start times because different groups tried to take the lead and like, Oh, we're going to start at 10. It's like, no, nah, it's too early. Someone else wants to start at 12. So there was literally, I saw, I got sent three posters. One said 10, one said 11, one said 12 from different organized organizations. Wow. For the same oh, yes. event, three different posters. Yeah, 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 yeah. for the same Jesus. same event, and that that's what I'm telling you, man. It's just like it's it's incredible because there are so many more people involved with this than I can even comprehend. Because you don't get that kind of like if if this was a tiny little fringe, then like you couldn't do what we're doing. Um, it's just one people just keep flowing in and uh, and joining this, and and it's incredible, and it's not over yet. I mean, once think what how many people were fired up in the in the winter when it was minus 20 i mean once it's summertime and we can have actual campouts and stuff then mm. uh, I, I i'm so excited and i think so much of it too people are just ready to be together again they're um they're ready to just celebrate um community and family and and in this great country we have so they're they're done with being told who they can spend time with and, and what they can do and and they've the truckers set the tone of like, you know what, you don't need to comply anymore. Um, you can make your own decisions on this. And and mm. I, I, every day more people are, are joining in. So I'm excited for what's to come. It's certainly not over yet. I think this is going to be the most killer Canada Day we ever see. I'm fired up for <laughs> Canada Day. I'm sure there'll be a big party everywhere. Um, Just be careful and, waving that flag, man, because apparently yes. that's a sign of hate now. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah it, it's it's hilarious that uh, no, I, and it's it's a real thing in Ottawa. Um, I you have to be. I mean, I tend to just do it, and and like I have these flags on my my car, and um, but it uh, it does come to bite. I got a parking ticket the other day. Um, I I was out getting a coffee. My car was running, and I literally beside the coffee shop, and uh, it, it was like a drop off only thing, or so like. You know, full disclosure, technically you're not allowed to park there. I get it. But there was a lineup of like five cars and I parallel parked to join the lineup to grab a coffee. And um, and then I turn around after getting the coffee and there's a lady writing me a ticket. And I had the flags on the thing. And I said, oh, what? And she's like, can't park here. And I like pointed at all the other cars. I'm like, why aren't you ticketing them? And then she just like walked away from me. I was the like, Canadian oh, flags, my. right? Wow. Yeah, they, they, wow. they come for you. So and uh yeah people some people give you the finger and like there's a bit of that but you know i just because you I have just, the, the flags in your car yeah that's yeah, they, that, that is that's one of the saddest things of all yeah but that's that's wow. what it, it's it, it's become the uh but then you know every once in a while you'll pass another car with flags and then you honk and wave <laughs> wow i need to get so, some flags man that yeah crazy and, but uh it i don't know if it's like that elsewhere with people giving you the finger and stuff but around ottawa you'll get a bit of that um which is uh which is too bad uh to see but wow dave great great chatting with you man i, I am uh <laughs> wow it's um 
it's so great to I, every time I chat with someone who's involved, I get a more complete picture in my mind of what it was what it was like to be there. Um, wow, you must have some photos and some great stuff going on. Where can people track you down if you want to connect with you? Um, yeah, if you go to Live from the Shed on YouTube or um, Live dot from the Shed on Instagram and Live from the uh, live from the shed on Facebook. So live from the shed on YouTube, live dot from the shed on Instagram and live from the shed on Facebook. And um, just well, you can look up uh, actually, when's this getting released a few days yet? Yeah, maybe maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe probably tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, Pro probably by the time they're listening to this that that um, our merch store will be live at live from the shed.ca. So if you go to live from the shed.ca, there's a merch store and it has links to, to all of our channels. So where is the actual shed it. now? Is the shed somewhere? The, the, the shed is at um, Jay's house. Um, okay. It's uh, getting some renovations done. The uh, We had to rip open the roof to use the crane. There's a great video of Ben, uh, the crane truck driver. He used uh, his crane to lift the shed off to, to get it off. We had to take it off the uh, Jay's truck because it would have been too high when Jay's truck was loaded onto the other truck for for moving um so it's it's there we keep getting comments people want to uh rent it out for airbnb so maybe down the road uh, <laughs> that's awesome my, i if i you know if if i had millions what i would have done yesterday is i would i would start building a museum and i would buy all those trucks from the main street and i would set up like a beautiful uh museum of this whole thing and uh, you know i think one day history will remember this for, for what it truly was. And it might be a while yet. I don't know when it'll be, but I do believe history will remember this well. And one day people will go to the museum and, and see replicas of some of these trucks and, uh, and, and see footage from the live streamers and, and be able to, to relive like what this was. And so I, I do believe that one day history will remember this well. And um, maybe one day we can have a little, my, my one dream would be to actually you know, for a family day weekend, get a bunch of the trucks down on Wellington Street, you know, with all the permits and all the everything and get all of our boys back on Wellington Street and, and throw one one killer party right on Wellington Street to uh, to celebrate what happened there. 100%, man. 100%. Those trucks are so beautiful with the signatures on them and the, the notes and the kids cards. And I've saw on Instagram, uh, at least one truck getting like a special coating put on over top of it, like some kind of porcelain coating to, to make sure that oh, those so signatures. That's awesome. Yeah. So that they can't be washed off or rubbed off or whatever. But uh, yeah, man, you guys are a part of something real special. And I, and I think you planted the seeds for waking people up for what's to come. Cause it's going to be uh, it's going to be a rough road for the next five years. I think there's some weird stuff coming up and uh, yeah, it's not know, over yet. Yeah. It's not over yet. You guys are just, you guys just got us. You guys just let the match. So Thank you, Dave. What a fun time talking to you, man. Can we can it, can we stay in touch? And yeah, things... for, sure, for sure. You're welcome to. I yeah. Well, you got my email there, and uh, send you my number. And uh, I mean, I could get you if I, if your listeners would enjoy talking to some of these drivers. Um, I could be happy to line those up for you. I mean, that's part of what I was doing down there too was trying to network with media and 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 get some of our drivers um, in interviews and such too. So. Yeah, I'm sure your listeners would probably enjoy that too. Oh, they'd love and, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know who you have to have on is uh, Tyler and Ashley. They're, they're friends with Austin too, like Shots by Hill. Okay, and, yeah. And uh, they met actually here. So he, Tyler's a truck driver. She was a protester. 
you know, it sounds like the start of a, a Avril Lavigne song or something. But uh, <laughs> so uh, I've made the joke before; it lands every time. But uh, so Ashley hopped in Tyler's truck to um, to warm up and uh, and never left basically. And and now uh, they're still together, and uh, they're, wow. they're a really lovely couple. So they they were part of our our, our life in the shed team. And um, I'm it's actually Tyler going- and Ashley. Tyler and Ashley, yeah. So you, um, yeah, I can put you guys in touch. Oh, yeah, hook it up, man. Hook that up. That'd be great. Yeah. I love the, yeah, the convoy love story. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. It, That's they're, awesome. They're, they're, really, uh, they're really lovely people. I, I'm I'm headed to their place. To, if I ever get out of Ottawa today, I'm, I'm planning to head to their place. Um, they're a few hours from here. So amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, for sure. Uh, stay in touch. And I, I'm really glad that you're, you and all these other people are willing to keep telling our stories. Like even our friendly um, media, you know, guys like Fox and um, the the larger institutions. um, Yeah. Like no disrespect. I love what they did on the ground, but you know, then the the news cycle moves on and, uh, Mm -hmm. and I know there's, there's tragic stuff happening um, overseas, but you know, there's nothing I can do about that here, but there, you know, there's people right here every day that need my help. And, and that's what I have to keep focusing on. And so um, if, if Canadians can uh, stay engaged with that and, um, you know, not only just helping with, with those who have been damaged by, by what happened here in Ottawa, but then also continuing to, to push for this freedom. Because in, in some ways things have changed, in other ways it hasn't. Because no one from the government has admitted in any way that this was wrong. You know, it's all still, oh, we're just following the science. The only reason we're ending this is we're following the science. No one has got up and said, you know what? This can't happen again. Um, you know, we're going to, you need some public health regulations and there, there's measures you need to put into place. But there is a line that was crossed uh, when people started losing their jobs and when pe- people were denied access to public spaces, when families were being split up. Um, that is terrible. And that can never happen again. And, and this job is not done until not only all those mandates are dropped, but clear assurances that that will never happen again, and a proper apology and admitting from the government that this was wrong, and this Mm. cannot happen again, and we will make measures in place to assure that the government does not have this amount of power again, because until that happens, nothing has really changed, Mm. you know, they'll just wait for it to quiet down, and they'll continue on with their agendas, and and, uh, as, as you know, so, um, yeah, it's not over yet. And so I thank you for your coverage and support. Yeah, well, I'm in Vancouver, man. BC, we still have full mandates as other provinces are, are dropping them temporarily, in my opinion. Um, yeah, we have still full. By the end of the month, there's going to be thousands and thousands of uh, healthcare workers from Chinese medicine doctors to massage therapists to dental assistants to if they don't get the jab, they're going to lose their, their jobs. That's coming up at the end of this month. So yeah, I mean, we're still in the thick of it. So to hear you uh, speak with such conviction is uh, it's music to my ears, brother. Appreciate it, man. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't go through all I went through just to go back to life as it was. I mean, I, I've uh, I've stopped wearing a mask entirely now. And I, I, I wasn't one of these people. I'm not a confrontational person by by nature. And I don't I I'm willing to hold my ground. Um, as friends will laugh probably if I say I'm not a confrontational person. I can be a strong-willed individual, but I'm not someone who's just like looking to fight all the time. Right. And um, but after what I went through, it's like I cannot in good faith like step into I would feel like I 
yeah, disrespecting my brothers. And uh, I feel like I'd be letting them down if I, if I walked in and um, unless I wanted to, if I felt, you know, if it was because I wanted to wear a mask, then by all means, but I don't want to, and I don't feel that it does anything. And um, if I put it on again, then I'd be doing a disservice and I'd be disingenuous to myself. So um, I've had to deal with, unfortunately, some some convicts and had had to just leave some businesses but you know what if 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 that's the line that they're going to draw and they don't want my business then i'll take it to somewhere mm-hmm. that does and um so i mean if your listeners are looking for a way like that's a, that's a small thing but a hard thing and i know it's hard and it's not a, it's not simple and for your average canadian actually i mean i've had some aggressive emails even from supporters that i'm too soft and i you know and uh, i'm not aggressive enough about the government and um you know but i think most of us as canadians by our nature it's not our style and uh we weren't and that's why we were be able to be pushed into where we found ourselves so mm-hmm. i'm not saying to start a fight not saying to make a big show but you know w- walk into your local restaurants or whatever without your mask as you've always done and honestly worst case is they'll tell you to shop somewhere else and you know if enough of us do that then like like Enrico at the Iconic Cafe, then you know, the ones who will succeed are the ones that that will stand for freedom and and support, right. um, you know, not support discrimination mm. and support equality of all peoples. Yeah, everyone's afraid, but it just takes one person to give other people permission to do the same. Like, oh, he's not wearing a mask. Like, if yeah, if I go into the grocery store and I don't have my mask on, I've stopped doing that. And uh, yeah, other people, I see them just other people start to pull theirs down like okay yeah or the the nose you know you know they're like they really want to support you when they got the nose thing going on and it's like (laughs) okay like that's nice you're almost there right i I love that the arena was hilarious because probably half the people had it on their chin but you know then they can pop it back up again yeah yeah you you Uh, know it's crazy (laughs) dave great chatting with you man uh thanks for giving us a peek behind the scenes and and encouraging us to know this isn't over